the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland. This is All About Grants. Hello, and welcome to another virtual edition of NIH's All About Grants podcast. I'm your host, David Kossip, with the NIH's Office of Extramural Research. And today we have the first in a two-part series on um, inclusion plans and, and the inclusion policies here at NIH and, and everything you need to know from start to finish, hopefully. And we have with us Ms. Don Corbett. She serves as the uh, NIH inclusion policy officer uh, and is also within the NIH Office of Extramural Research. And I welcome you to the show, Don. Thanks, David. Sure, sure. So let's just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of these inclusion policies? Sure. NIH actually has two inclusion policies. The first one is the inclusion of women and minorities as participants in research involving human subjects. Um, so that policy has actually been on the books since 1994 in its current form, after it was mandated by Congress. And that policy requires that women and members of racial and ethnic minority groups be included in all NIH-funded clinical research studies, unless there's a compelling rationale for exclusion. And then there's some additional requirements for NIH-defined phase three clinical trials. Um, they have to conduct analyses by sex or gender, race, and ethnicity um, and report on those analyses. And then our second inclusion policy is the NIH policy and guidelines on the inclusion of individuals across the lifespan as participants in research involving human subjects. So this inclusion policy requires inclusion of individuals of all ages and NIH human subjects research, unless there are scientific or ethical reasons not to include them. So this policy is more recent. Um, it became effective for applications submitted on or after January 25th, 2019. So um, it's just been around for a few years, and it requires some additional requirements for submission of data um, in progress reports. Thanks for that. And to put a plug in for another podcast, we did one on the inclusion across a lifespan too. So check that one out. Um, so inclusion plans. So when you're putting together your application, you have to develop an inclusion plan with what we're here talking about. Can you tell us what are inclusion plans and kind of like how they fit in? Sure. Inclusion plans are part of your application. Um, and part of in your application, you'll be completing a PHS human subjects and clinical trials information form if you're doing human subjects research. And, and part of that form in section two, there are two attachments, one for the inclusion of women and minorities and one for inclusion across the lifespan. So this is the place in your application when you talk about inclusion of these groups. So what is actually required to be in these uh, these plans? And like you mentioned, there's two of them. Like, how much space am I do I have in my application for them? Well, the good news is there's no page limits, so you can take the space that you need to describe um, inclusion of these populations in your research. As far as what's required, both plans require that you describe the plan distribution of participants. So, in the inclusion of women and minorities plan, you'll be describing your um, inclusion based on sex or gender and, um, and race and ethnicity. And then in your inclusion of across the lifespan plan, um, you'll be describing distribution based on age. And then you'll talk about the rationale. So why did you choose this population distribution? And this should really be based on the science um, and ethics and you'll justify any exclusions. Um, so if you're excluding any population, for example, if you're doing a study on prostate cancer and you're um, excluding people whose sex at birth is female, then you would explain that in this part of the application. For the plan 
on inclusion of women and minorities, you also want to describe proposed outreach programs for recruiting sex or gender, racial and ethnic group members. And then in your inclusion across the lifespan plan, you'll want to talk a bit about the expertise of the study team. So for example, if you're working with children, do you have pediatric expertise on staff or consultants um, that you're working with, um, similarly for older adults? Yeah, and that answer you hit on a couple of things. I want to ask some questions about. Um, perhaps could you talk a little bit more about like the recruitment and outreach as part of these plans? Sure. So you will want to talk about outreach programs and your inclusion of women and minorities plan. So in this plan, you'll want to talk about things like, you know, are you involving the family and communities? Do you have programs to target these communities? Um, do you have language resources? Um, plans for participant communication um, with either sex or gender, race or ethnicity groups. Um, but you won't talk about the details of recruitment um, and outreach there. You can talk about those details in the recruitment and retention plan, which is another attachment um, on the PHS Human Subjects and Clinical Trials Information Form. Um, that's the place to provide the specifics about how you'll recruit and retain participants in your study. Um, but you will mention these programs and the inclusion of women and minorities plan. And what about as it relates to potential budget implications, like if so, like a participant's going to be compensated for their time or, you know, a travel or something like that, does that, is that included in an inclusion plan? Not necessarily. You definitely want to think about the budget when you're developing your inclusion plan. It's very important um, to think about um, things like, are you going to be paying for transportation or child care for your participants, which can affect the participants' ability to participate and disproportionately affect certain groups. So you definitely want to consider that, but the specifics of your budget should be included in the budget forms of your application. So you'll want to be thinking about inclusion and what resources you may need while you're completing your budget forms. Um, participant compensation doesn't need to be discussed in the inclusion plan, um, but again, you'll talk about any um, strategies for an inclusive study population. So as specific budget items relate to those strategies, you can mention that there. Thanks for that uh, clarification. And also jumping back to, you had mentioned some exclusions that might be addressed in an inclusion plan. How specific does someone need to be? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, you know, the bottom line of both of our inclusion policies is you need to have a good reason if you're excluding anyone, um, based, be it based on sex or gender, race, ethnicity, or age. And you need to provide enough information so that peer review and NIH staff understand that you really do have a good reason for that exclusion um, and why it's scientifically justified. So in addition to providing that reason, um, generally you're going to need some evidence to back up your reason. So, for example, if you're stating that the knowledge about the excluded group is already available in another study, you might mention that other study. If you're saying that an age-specific study would be preferable um, to including certain age groups in your study, you need to explain the circumstances that make that so. So, describe why it's not preferable to modify your study design um, to include that group. Um, so, this is really where you want to spend some time and provide some thoughtful information so that people really understand why you're excluding that population. And, um, you know, as we're putting together applications, the, the, they, these inclusion plans involve inclusion tables. Can you tell us more about these? Can you break them down for us? 
Sure. Um, so also on the PHS human subjects um, and clinical trial information form, you're going to be providing an inclusion enrollment report. Um, so these are the inclusion tables that we're talking about. The inclusion enrollment report itself has two tables. Um, the first um, is for planned enrollment, um, and the second is for cumulative or actual enrollment. So in your planned enrollment, um, you're going to be providing some basic information um, about your study, including a title for that enrollment report, whether or not you're using an existing data set or resource. So for example, if you're using samples from a biorepository that have already been collected, or you're doing a secondary analysis of data, you would indicate that you're, you're using an existing data set or resource there. And then you'll also indicate whether your study is um, recruiting in the U.S. or outside the U.S. There's a domestic or foreign indicator there. And then you report the number of participants that are expected to be in your study, broken down by sex or gender, race, and ethnicity. One thing to note here for race and ethnicity, we do use the OMB categories. These are the 1997 OMB categories that are required for use by all federal agencies um, for collecting and reporting race and ethnicity data. And this helps us ensure there's consistency across the federal government so that we can compare information across databases. So you'll provide that breakdown um, in the planned enrollment table. And then you may also include um, in your application your actual enrollment, if you have any actual enrollment at that time. Many times you don't um, in an application because you haven't started enrolling yet, but you may, for example, if you are using an existing data set or resource. So in that part, again, you'll provide the demographic information about participants using those same categories, but in this case, it's going to be people that you've already enrolled, and that should be cumulative um, for the life of your study. Thanks for that. I, I guess we'll be revisiting the inclusion tables too in our next conversation, which is like post award and, and talk about reporting and things like that. Uh, but before we close out this one on the application, Don, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave people uh, about inclusion plans as part of one's application? I just encourage you to check out our website um, on the OER website for inclusion. We have a lot more resources there um, to help you as you're developing your inclusion plan. And also reach out to your PO. Um, they're a great resource to talk to if you have any questions. Great, you stole my thunder. I was gonna invite people to go to the website as well. Um, and uh, so yes, thank you very much, Don. We greatly appreciate this opportunity to talk more about uh, inclusion plans for applications. Um, and we look forward to you joining us in our next conversation uh, as we talk about review and post award. This has been David Kossum with NIH's All About Grants. Thank you. <laughs>